on that particular trip, my mom and my brother and me decided it would be a good idea to take acid together for the first time. You and the whole family? Me, my mom, and my brother. Wow. We're going to take LSD and we were going to go on this like spiritual Mecca pilgrimage clue finding mission, you know? That sounds absolutely amazing. It was amazing. Welcome to Dead Talks. This is your host, David Ferrugio. And yes, this is a podcast where we discuss death. But don't worry, we do so in a much lighter tone. We make an uncomfortable conversation a little bit easier with plenty of storytelling, insights, and believe it or not, plenty of laughs. So I look forward to you hearing today's episode with Garrett Shecker, who will share three unique and entertaining stories about how death has impacted his life. We cover a wide variety of topics that have to do with death, that have to do with life, his belief systems. And at the end, around 50 minutes or so, he shares a traumatic experience that blew me away, and I think blew him away because he wasn't expecting to share it in the public light for the first time. And at the end of the day, trauma is trauma. And this traumatic experience had nothing to do with death, but I know a lot of us can potentially relate to and hopefully help you or someone else you may know. So thank you for joining us today. And I look forward to you hearing the rest of this conversation. I have my buddy Garrett Shecker here, who was willing enough to share his story and break the spell of where it's been a little while since I had an episode, so. A dead spell. A dead spell. There we go. Yeah, Bing, bang, yeah. boo. We're all through a hot yeah, start right there now. There we go. Uh, I have a full belly of pierogies and, and yucky, so I'm hoping to keep that together this whole episode, so don't mind me there. Yeah, you didn't save me any pierogies, but. But it's more good. I got, yeah, you're, okay. So I did get to share in the smell. That, that's vicariously through my cooking, so thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> uh, so as I discussed, we're just going to get right into it as we usually do. Garrett has a story that he actually hasn't really told me too much about, which I actually prefer because it'll make my questions a little more natural and surprise reactions a little more natural. Um, so you start from the top wherever you want and let's let's talk about it. Let's let's get into some dead talks. Let's get into it. By the way, before I start, remember that conversation we had where uh, I was like, oh, dead talks, TED talks. I they, get it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I saw there? the logo. <laughs> and that was a coincidence. You know what I mean? They just, you know, it made sense. But I'm glad you called. I feel that. stupid that it, oh it, oh it's a coincidence you didn't plan the the pun name. It's dead talks. Got it. Okay. No relation. No, and it's just, it's just it's a happy it's just accident. A, it's just a great name. Red's a common color. <laughs> What's the harm there? Red, Red, dead. Red, you're dead. on you're on brand. Totally unrelated to the to the massive uh, philosophy speeches that they give. Yeah, I'm doing my own thing here. Okay, doing your own thing. I'm doing my own thing. Completely, completely separate. Completely from independent. Has nothing to do with them. <laughs> So big fan of the podcast, big fan of Dave Ferrugio. Uh, very happy to be here. Um, from what I've listened to the podcast so far, it seems like um, the subject matter is like a lot of uh, talk about feelings and processing. And when you put out the notice that you were looking for more guests, I was hesitant to respond because I'm not sure I have feelings ever to start. So even about this, so but but I still think it'll be an interesting conversation because it's um, I have some stories that who knows, maybe I'll process some feelings with a mic in front of my face. That's maybe right. that's all I needed. Maybe the therapist be, you know, be damned. Maybe I just need a microphone and some headphones. That's and, why uh, I had you smoke a bowl and uh, pop open a Modelo before here. There you go. Yeah, stay calm. You have a desk right to your right too, if you want to place that down. <laughs> we need sponsors. We there need sponsors for Dead Talks. I would take Modelo in a heartbeat. <laughs> for sure. So you got some stories. What's up? Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think of the one that's should you, do you want me to start with the most interesting or say the most most interesting for last? I mean, what, it doesn't matter to me. I think start hot. I'll start, start off hot. 
Uh, no, I'm going to start slow and I'm going to build. Cause you're, cause you hear that? So anyone listening is building, therefore you have to listen to the end. Yes, that's what I'm doing it for you, man. There we, we go. We want full viewership. Love it. Um, so up until this past year, I actually ha hadn't had a lot of um, experience with death. I know a lot of people have lost people close to them, especially where we're from, you know, with 9-11 and you and your dad. And also we have a terrible opioid problem for where we're from. You know, like a lot of my close friends have lost a lot of their close friends. Um, but that never really touched me and family members too, the same thing. But last year, um, my two of my grandparents died in the same year. And um, I went to their home state where they were from for both passings and the situations were eerily similar. So um, the first one I'll talk about is my mom's stepmom. So um, my mom's stepmom married my grandpa when my mom was uh, midlife, like not midlife, but twenties, thirties. And uh, she was always my grandma. She was always the grandma that I remembered. It was grandma Susie. And um, she was really sweet and she got really frail down at the end there. But um, what happened was she, she slipped and she fell and she really hurt herself. So they had to put her in the hospital and I think she also had cancer. And so by the time we had got to Michigan, they put her into like a morphine coma. So no one really got to say goodbye. No one really had any real time with her other than with her body that still had life in it, but was essentially, you know, out the door already on the bed. And we all spent time with her in that room and held her hand, talked to her really nicely. And we were all present in the state when she actually passed and then we kind of came together as a small unit, as a family. There, it was in Michigan. And we came together as a like a little remembrance as a family, but we weren't there for the funeral. So that was like the that was the light thing that happened. And I loved her very much. And her death definitely um has crossed my mind a few times, but we weren't very close. You know, she lived in a different state. Um I'm not very good at keeping up with my ex my um extended family. Uh, that's probably something I could work on. But because of that, um, I lost touch with her when I was a kid because that's when you would see her the most. That's when grandparents and kids kind of intermingle the most. Right. Um, and the same thing kind of applies to my grandfather, my dad's dad. Uh, his name was Ed. And he was a Jersey boy like us. And But he moved to Florida um, when I was young, when I was pretty little. And uh, we didn't see him much. So before he died, it had been like 12 or 15 years since I last saw him. But it was the same situation where he, as he got older, um, he was mentally sharp, but his body started to deteriorate out from under him, which is the opposite of my mom's dad, who's still alive. But he has really fast-acting Alzheimer's. Oh, but shit. he's, like, big and strong like a bull. So I have this, like, like, both sides of the spectrum to consider what my life could potentially be like. I'm like, oh, man, what would I rather have? Would I rather, in my situation, would I rather be mentally aware that my body is deteriorating or lose my mind to confusion and dementia and time and all that stuff, but like be strong. And I don't know. I mean, they both seem pretty shitty, to be honest. Yeah, especially for you, you're pretty active. So to have that, but you're also very active in your head. Right. It's like damned if you do, damned if you well, don't. Ima imagine, and he's big and strong too. I'm afraid for when, like my grandpa's still pretty big and strong. I'm afraid for when he like lashes out out of confusion physically. Oh, yeah, I didn't you think know? about that. Right? Like, it's a crazy thing to think about. But, you know, because normally old men are frail. So it's like, oh, you have dementia? Just, you know, sit down, old man. But <laughs> I think he could throw a hook or two. He was in the Navy, you know, so yeah. he could probably get get down. So for safety measures, he'd rather the body deteriorate. I think so. Yeah. I think so. 
Um, That's going to play with your mind, though, just to see the possibility. Like, you really see both sides of the spectrum. Like you said, it's like, wow, like that is the worst of both. So it's like, shit, that can happen. Yeah. Yeah, I guess there probably is a middle ground where maybe you just, you know, kill yourself when you're in your mid-60s and you don't have to deal with any of that. But <laughs> It's one option that I'm not going to condone, but, you know, there's an option. But, um, but yeah, so my, my grandpa Ed, my dad's dad, uh, hadn't seen him in maybe 15 years. And then one day my dad called me and he said, hey, you know, your grandpa is really sick and I think we all kind of have to fly down there and see him out, you know. And we all planned on having having a day with him, but he was in so much pain that they did the same thing to him that they did to my grandma where they um, gave him a bunch of morphine and it basically slipped him into a coma. And when we got there, he was unrecognizable. You know, he, ha- he was like skin and bones. He was like deteriorating and he was like a slack jawed on the bed. And it was, just, it was, it was an awful, awful scene. And um, we're all down there. And we spent the day in the hospital, um, saying, you know, same thing, standing around his bed, talking to him, talking to each other. And then, um, it got to be the time where everyone was like, I think, I think we need to go back to the hotel that we're staying at. So we were all packing up to go. And I said, um, it just doesn't feel right leaving him here alone, you know? So, cause we didn't know when he was going to pass. And I was like, what if he goes in the middle of the night and nobody was around? I, I just didn't feel like that was right. So I decided to stay in the hospital with him that night. By yourself? By myself. Yeah. And, um, and so I did, everyone left and it definitely earned me some brownie points too. Everyone thought that was real sweet of me. So I can probably bank those in at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound like that's what you were thinking. No, it wasn't at all. It was the, the brownie points were an unattended benefit. Per. <laughs> <laughs> you can pick me up from the airport. But it now. felt, no, it felt altruistic. It felt, it felt like the right thing to do. And so that's right, why I did yeah, it. That's very nice of you. And so they have those beds like, or the chairs that, that kind of, it's kind of like a hospital recliner. Like you like sit back on it and fold down to kind of a bed. So I stayed up with him. I sat by his bed for a while. And, um, then I was like, it's time to go to bed and, um, or chair, go to chair. <laughs> and so this is, uh, so this is, this is how I re- remember that the events going down is I fell asleep and then I was like gently nudged awake by a nurse. And she said, um, she said, Hey, is, uh, is that your grandpa over there in the bed? I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, some random guy chairing. <laughs> yeah, right. Could you, ima- could you imagine? Could you imagine? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> How did I get here? I'm his grandpa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you I imagine? Mean, I, mean, I guess she's got to ask that. Yeah. You know this man? <laughs> I'm just here to give him a head transplant. It's all going to be good. So she wakes me up and um, she's like, I don't want to wake you up. But I do want you to know I'm going to um, give him some medicine and I'm going to turn him over and clean him up and change the sheets and stuff. And so she starts to go to work. And I said, um, I'm awake at this point. So I'm like, hey, you know, like, what's the um, what's the deal? How's he doing? When do we think, you know, he's going to pass? Because I think they're in control at that point because he's just being kept alive by machines. But I think they're waiting for his body to give out because he hadn't eaten in three days, hadn't drinking water in two, and he was just on a, in a morphine coma. Is that a decision they make without – is that something you need permission to do? They gave – like, because he was in so much pain, they, my family gave permission to give him morphine, but none of us really wanted him to not wake up again. Right. We all wanted to spend some, like at least a moment of quality time with him. Um, cause even though I hadn't talked to him in 15 years, he was still like an important figure in my life when I was a kid. I mean, he, he's the one who took me camping a lot when I was a kid. Now it's a huge part of my life. Um, and when we were camping as a kid, I would do like what they call really good impressions of like my favorite 
Bugs Bunny characters and stuff. And that encouragement of that like performance is what later I think inspired me, or at least gave my allowed me to give myself permission to pursue the creative life. You know, move to LA, go to film school, yada yada yada. Um, so he he was instrumental in my development, and it's sad that I hadn't seen him in 15 years. But people fall apart, you know, and I, I still hold him a, a, like a very dear person in my life. So I was hoping for that. The, the chance to tell him what I just told you. Yeah. Thanks for encouraging me as a kid. Thanks for showing me the great outdoors. Sorry we haven't kept in touch, but I, I you know, I've always loved you. That kind of stuff. Um, Did you tell him that, or he was decided he was in a? I, I told him, and they say you can. They say that they can hear you when you talk to him, but I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, I definitely when I was in the room alone with him that night, I, I said everything I needed to say. Great. Um, so I asked the nurse, "What's what's going on with him?" And at that moment he sat up in the bed, but it was the younger version of himself, the version that I remembered of himself. So spoiler alert, it's a dream that I'm having. Okay. <laughs> I was like, shit. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? But this is how I remember it. Like this is, this is the, like the chronological events in my mind, in my memory. He sits up in the bed and, and he's full Jersey boy again. He goes, what the fuck are you asking her this for? I'm sitting right here. You want to ask me a question about me? Ask me. So uh, I have a big smile on my face. I say, you know, I'm so happy that we get to have this conversation, you know, and then we have a whole talk. And so I said all the things when I was awake that I wanted to say to him, but I also said them to him in this lucid dream that I was having. And um, What was the timeline of this lucid dream where you were in, this is when you're sleeping in the chair? Yeah, this is when I was in the hospital room. Wow. Um, and so we talk for a while and then the, the conversation gets interrupted because I hear of an external voice saying, Hey, um, sweetie, wake up, wake up, wake up. And I wake up and it's the same nurse that was in my dream, nudging me awake. And she says, is that your grandpa over there? And I said, yeah, yeah. And she goes, he just passed like about a half hour ago. Wow. So what, what, you, what is that? So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if spirituality people, I'm not really that spiritual myself. You know, I went to Catholic school, a kind of believer left an atheist. So now I'm like on the fence about spirituality and the afterlife or whatever. But I think that there was a, like a conference that we had where he was leaving and my consciousness was open and his consciousness found a way to come in and communicate with me right at the end. Yes. hundred percent. I mean, come on. It's gotta be right. I mean, people could just shake that off. I'm like, oh, it was a coincidence, but come on. Right. It was a dream. And and it, it was in a dream state. Right. It was in a dream state for sure. But you are hyper when you're when you're in that state, you are way more sensitive to stuff like that happening. Yeah. And I used to practice uh lucid dreaming, like really I tried that strictly. So I think that that also kind of allowed me to stay in the dream. Cause a, a mind less trained to um to exist in that environment, I think would be so shocked by him sitting up in the bed that the dream would be over at that point. Right. So I think I was kind of able to subconsciously say, oh, this is a dream. Don't leave. Don't be frightened by this like shocking turn of events. He totally came to you. He totally came to me. What is that? Do you have time to process that when that happened? Like, were you calculating that once that happened or is that something that you figure out? Like, you know? I was so tired when she woke me up um, but at that point I, it was like three or four in the morning and, um, she woke me up and like most dreams, I had a, I had a wisp of it. And then the longer that I tried to track it, the further away it went. But I also had other things to do. I had to make, I had to answer questions that she had. I had to call my family, tell them to come back, you know, so I didn't really have time to like, um, to process it in that moment. But when they all came back and it, the, the, the early night turned into morning and the sun came up. I was sitting around kind of silent, somber. And that's when I had time to think about it. And 
I really thought about it. And it, the dream, the wisp started to come back to me more. And I started to remember it more um, in a very, very lucid way. And then I started telling, I told my mom, I told my dad. And yeah, everyone's consensus was like, they were so happy that I stayed the night, first of all. And they were so grateful that one of us got to talk to him before he, before he passed. So earlier, uh, a few sentences ago, you said you, you know, went to a Catholic school and you were a believer, left an atheist. Semi-believer. Semi-believer. Left full atheist. So they did a reverse job on you more or less. Oh yeah. Well, once you, once they try to grade you on your religious, on your religion, it gets a little. So is that more of a, a revolt as opposed to like your beliefs? Do they truly shape your beliefs to like doing something that made you not believe? Well, I, well, in high school, I also started smoking weed and doing a lot of psychedelics. And I think when you dabble in those fields, then you kind of lose the, you don't really need an organized religion or a like monolithic God figure to guide you because you become your own moral compass and guide, you know, like, a, which is why I think psychedelics are really important. And, sure. and so, yeah, but just by the end of high school, I was like, yeah, I don't think I need whatever they define God as. Got it. So you have your own beliefs more or less, but it's just not, it's necessarily the conformity of belief. I, well, that's a good question. I, I, I don't, I'm not married to any of my beliefs or thoughts. And especially when it comes to the unknown, you know, like anybody who says that God is real is just as much of a liar as anyone who says that they know God isn't real. Nobody knows. Right. So I try to just be a like very basic and simple agnostic. You know, I'm not claiming th this or that. I'm just like, give me all the data. I'll decide right at the end. I'll tell you what I think. But do, do you think it's strong to call someone a liar when, you know, when you, if you believe something strong enough, you, you just, you know. So I get, I get what you're, I'm the same, but I used to believe like the school of skeptic. I still believe kind of in the school of skepticism. Like nothing's absolute. Yeah. Like I could be right. I could be wrong. Who the hell knows? We don't really know, no. Yeah. But sometimes you like have such a strong feeling when something that happens to you, it's like, it might twist your arm a little bit, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. And also this is the point to me asking you about your um, contraction of becoming an atheist. I don't know if I use that word in the right context. Agnostic. Because of your situation, scenario just happened, your grandpa and your lucid dream. Did that make you rethink anything in regards to? You know what? what honestly, no, it didn't. I mean, it it didn't make me rethink because I also believe in ghosts and um, or I believe in spirits and stuff like that, which is a big part of the third story that's coming up. But dun, 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 yeah, dun dun dun. In the moment, no. Um, that experience with my grandpa didn't didn't it didn't make me rethink or want to consider rejoining Christianity. You know, because I also specifically Christianity, any organized religion. Okay. Um, I think it's fine, and I think it's important for a lot of people to be spiritual or have faith in something because they 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 need that. You know, whatever whatever that is for them, whether it provides them with a moral compass, whether it provides them with community, whether it provides them with like discipline, yes, or like just like not feeling so alone when they're alone. You know. Um, I don't need any of that stuff. So there's no need for me to join a church or or any organized religion. But who knows? Maybe one day I'll come around to like a more spiritual belief in in a singular energy, faith, religion, something. You know, I just also can't wrap can't wrap my head around the idea of like a god. <sighs> That's hard to fathom. Right? It's really hard to Especially because we can't even, fathom. we don't even know the extent of the universe, which is supposedly infinite. So how does that play into God? I mean, we're so wrapped up in what's happening right in front of us that like, we forget about all the crazy greater shit that's around us that's just so routine. Let's look at the fucking sky. 
That's it. It's really only thinking it's, that's hard to fathom. Just like the infinite eternity of space and that, and then you're supposed to fathom there's some greater being or whatever that created us. I don't know. I, I don't want to get into what I believe. I mean, there's gotta, I, I, I do think there's gotta be something. I don't know what, but like, what the hell are we doing? So you do think there, there's something or there is some kind of uh, predetermined course, faith, I mean, or that, fate. Those are all other layers to really go off of. Um, I don't. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I just. But know you that, feel like something's more. looking out for us. I like to think so. I, I don't know if they're looking out for us. They're kind of like letting us looking over. Looking. I think they're looking. They're looking. <laughs> Someone's letting. Something's looking. So bunch I, of, I, bunch I of looky lose. A bunch of looky lose. But then I, I've, I've spoke about this in other parts of the podcast. But just from the the basic principle that. Uh, energy can't be created nor destroyed, right? Right. That's like a that's a scientific that's, fact. Like that's science, and I definitely subscribe to to science and logic. Right. So we know that. Let's let's assume that's correct, and we are energy. Mm-hmm. We're made up of energy. Energy, water, and fear. And um, hope, I don't know which is more, but <laughs> well, definitely those three. But that's the idea. Say if we're if you can we can agree upon that energy cannot be created nor destroyed, and we are energy. Yeah. We weren't created, and we can't be destroyed. So like. That's kind of freaky not to think how what do you mean not created, also not destroyed. So if we die, quote unquote, our energy just moves somewhere else. Recycles. And recycles, yes, reincarnation, who knows? But it goes somewhere. So it's like that that whole idea makes me think then what the, what what is that? We're just re- recycled energy, just continue on forever and eternity. Something has to something had to come from something, right? Just naturally thinking, don't you think it started from somewhere? Yeah. What, like the, the Big Bang. What was happening before the Big Bang? What the- I heard a crazy fact about the Big Bang. It was like um, somebody was trying to theorize about the the time before the Big Bang. What the hell did they say? Well, basically what they said was there was no time before the Big Bang. Like, the, the, But that's only because the Big Bang created time because the Big Bang was everything and before that there was nothing. But how long was that nothing? It could have been an instant or it could have been an eternity. But what is nothing? What does that mean? The absence of things. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that's the shit that freaks me out the most. It's not so much dying. I guess that's that's wild. What the hell is going to happen? The idea of the potentiality of just being nothing. Not that I believe that. I think when I think about, I guess it won't matter because we won't know. That you'll I never get, know. I get in like I think I start going cross-eyed and my fingers start twitching whenever I start getting <laughs> to that little pocket of trying to understand that. Um, but that's a whole nother conversation. Where do we start veering off from? Your idea of what happened with your grandpa and were you still athe- were you still agnostic? Or well, I'll what? tell you if I if I had to align with the belief system now, um, it would be, and I apologize to any of my friends who are listening to this podcast because they've definitely heard this speech before. But um, I consider myself to be a um, optimistic nihilist, <laughs> and what that means is um, like nihilism is the belief that nothing matters and everything is a coincidence, and basically in the eyes of the like ever vast, cold, and different universe, you as an individual mean literally nothing. You know, like you're insignificant. Like you will, you will, your, your existence will be smaller than a blip on a radar, on the radar for, you know, the universe. You know, if you're, this is a human experience. We're energy experiencing a human life. And the fact that you and me and everyone we know and everyone on the planet past, present, and future has gotten to do that, has gotten to live that experience. That just means we're lottery winners. It's a cosmic coincidence and doesn't mean anything. And the only meaning it does have, so because it means nothing, that means your personal experience is personal to you and you alone. So your only 
like, um, the only thing you're supposed to do with your existence is to live it to your fullest enjoyment. Why are we supposed to do that? Well, because you're responsible for your own experience. You don't have to, if you don't want to. It doesn't matter anyway. It doesn't matter anyway. Exactly. But this is where it gets dicey because a lot of people got dicey already, but go on. This is where a lot of people disagree with me. They're like, they're like, Fine. I guess I could kind of believe that, but I take it a, a step further. And for, first of all, I'll say that I'm a, an optimistic nihilist because I think that that means you mean nothing, but it could be great. But the no, the fact that it means nothing frees you up to live your life how you want to. There's no requirement to be moral or just or rich or famous or anything. It's only it's totally subjective to you. The, the first word that came to my head was freedom when you did say that. Right. But it can go, you could go either way. It could. And so this, and then speaking of going either way, this is where people, this is where I lose people <laughs> a lot of the times. Still with you. Because your experience is subjective and personal to you, your only requirement is to live live your life and to your fullest joy. And that could mean anything. That's that's subjective. So if your joy is volunteering all your time, that's awesome. If your joy is eating cheeseburgers so you have a heart attack at 45, that's also awesome. If your joy is being a serial killer, do it. I mean, that's the universe doesn't care. Doesn't care whether you kill people or you cheeseburgers or are a saint. I agree with the fact that the universe doesn't care because the universe is like it's kind of like a right, but, on and but off society switch. will care. Right, because there is the it's subjective to you, but it's also very subjective. Right, to we you. are individuals living in a society, but again, morality is a human construct. The universe right. doesn't know good or bad. Duality, look at, look yeah. at the animal kingdom, you know. Yeah, when I, the Animal Kingdom is a good point. Like we always say, people like do care. Great, I love animals. You have a dog. Mm -hmm. I, I will not. I'll take care of animals. Right. But at the same time, like when we're talking about how we are eating animals, this and that, it's like if you look at the, the, the yeah, people, Animal Kingdom, they're just they're eating the shit out of each other. People like to Lisa Frank the Animal Kingdom. You know, they like to like anthropomorphize and make it cute. When if you really paid attention to nature, it's gnarly out there. It's yeah, gnarly I mean, out there. Everything's eating each other, leaving it for dead. Like people are like, don't hunt deer. But if you know, so that deer is going to die one of three ways. A hunter is going to shoot it. And I don't hunt. I'm, and I, I don't hunt. I don't, think I, I, I don't think I could hunt, but I can defend it in this context because that, that deer is either going to get shot by a hunter who's a trained, accurate killer, basically. And it's going to die pretty quick and pretty peacefully, or it's going to get torn apart by wolves. Or it's going to die of some crazy disease. Very Joe Rogan esque right now. Is it? He support. Oh, he's a hunter, and he always. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he made that good point. He made a good point that I was like, I mean, not a lot of people are going to support that, but he was like, yeah, you're going to kill it quick and like make it peaceful. Yeah. Well, this motherfucker might get torn up. I've seen Lion King. That stampede and the way Scar handled those lions was not very peaceful and thoughtful. <laughs> I follow a few Instagram accounts. Um, one's called uh, Nature Is Metal. Oh God. And it basically just is a daily reminder that shit is going down out there. It's going down everywhere. Shit is going down. So now what? What the hell are we talking about? Well, let's get back to the let's get back to the main the main road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What road were we on? Um, uh, talking about okay. So I'll move to the, my grandma story. Right. So, um, the grandma I talked about in the beginning that was my mom's stepmom. Got Aunt, Grandma Susie. Grandma Susie. Hmm. So my mom's biological mother, um, who I called Grandmama. That's cute. She was really she was really nice. I only I was four when she went missing. And they never found her. They don't know what happened to her. Basically, the story is she, um, every summer, she would take a bus from New Jersey to Dewey Beach, Maryland. And she would vacation there. She rented a house and she would stay in this house all summer. And she did that every year. As long as I was alive, I was four when she went missing. The only thing I remember about her is that she was really, really nice. And that she would uh, 
Get me extra pickles on my McDonald's burgers. I love extra pickles. Why well, what's not to love about Grandma Ma then? <laughs> that was the most Italian way to say that. <laughs> Grandma Ma, it's a me. <laughs> hey, Grandma Ma, give me some extra pickles Grandma and a banana with cheese. Can I get a meatball on my uh, cheeseburger? <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious that that's what you remember. Like, you definitely knew when you were four. You remember the pickles. I do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, one year she got on the bus to Dewey Beach, Maryland to go vacation. And that was the last time she was ever seen or heard from again. And they think it was uh, they think it was a murder. And it's pretty convincing that it was a murder. Um, and through the years, there was an investigation. Then they couldn't prove anything, so they closed it. Then it was an open case, cold case sorry, open case, closed case. Then it was a cold case because it was years later. Then- What um, makes it a cold case? A cold case is like just an unsolved thing that happened a long time ago. Like, like in the month of December or? Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's like got a little scarf on some mittens. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I had to throw that in there. It's a case with ice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see those at 7-Eleven. So um, yeah, so after a while of going back and forth with the police- and detectives and and so on and so forth. Um, my mom and my aunt, they were the only two children of my of my grandma. Um, they decided they just kind of needed some closure. So they got the bright idea to go to a medium, to, okay. go, to, to go to a psychic. And they did a little research and they found this psychic that was very well um, respected and had a good reputation for being legit, not for being like a hoax or a shyster or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, believe what you want about psychics. Um, I tend to believe the more fun version of whatever's happening. Okay. So I, it's more fun to believe in psychics, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is that the optimist, uh, the optimist side? Totally. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Just believe whatever you want. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. anything. Yeah. They, they either are or they aren't. <laughs> <laughs> You're both right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. You're both right. <laughs> I agree with both of you. <laughs> that was in a, there's a, um, what's it called? The Sirens of Titans. I don't know if you read that book. No. Um, how am I forgetting his name? He's my favorite author. I'm just blacking out right now. Sirens of Titan, Slaughterhouse Five. Um, oh my god, I'm so upset right now that I'm forgetting the name of this author. Me too. How is little anyway? Whatever. Slaughterhouse Five. Slaughterhouse Five. Sirens of Titans. Uh, Cat in the Cradle. Starts with the K. Kurt Vonnegut. Kurt Vonnegut. Jesus Christ. I'm so upset. It's like one of those things edit I know 99 out. out of 100, and I know that. Yeah, I'm going to have to edit yeah, that out. Yeah, let's edit that out. Uh, anyway, it, I, I think it was in Sounders of Titans. He talks about there's like something that exists where every, like it's like the perfect place where someone says they, like, they don't agree, but there's a perfect place in the universe where they're both right. Mm. That's kind of what just happened. Yeah, that's my brain. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 your belief system. Um, <laughs> so what happened? You went to the medium, and then what happened? So my mom and my aunt went to the medium, and well, first they called her. They, they set up an appointment. And didn't give her any information other than their names, which is the classic setup. Yeah. Um, but so they drive to her house. What's your social security number? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what I'm realizing right now, which is a very funny. Maybe she planned this. Maybe it's a pseudonym. But the the psychic's name was Karen Noe. Karen Noe. Like she'd be Noe. Karen Noe. <laughs> That's probably the reason she's a medium. <laughs> yeah, her parents were like, "We got a good, we got yeah. a good job for you." For <laughs> yeah. a lawyer. <laughs> so, um, so they set up the appointment. They go to see her. When they get there, they knock on the door, they enter, and she immediately goes, oh, my God, your mom has been here all morning. She's been, she's just dying to talk to you girls. Wow, that's a hot start. Hot start. Remember, they didn't tell her that this was about their mom. They just gave them their names and made an appointment. So they sit down, and they, de they develop a, a relationship 
with this psychic over the next coming months. But the, the first couple of meetings, um, she's just spouting off family info, names, events, tell so-and-so congratulations on their wedding, tell so-and-so happy birthday, how's David doing, you know, how's- Get that mole checked. <laughs> yeah, God says get that mole checked. <laughs> <laughs> It's been growing the last few months. <laughs> tell uh, tell Jimmy to stop masturbating so much. God's <laughs> keeping track. <laughs> you wonder why you're so short and you haven't grown in three years. You can't see two feet in front of you. They say it makes you blind. My <laughs> oh, good Lord. So, um, so yeah, One another crazy story about, about Karen is um, basically there was one weekend where um, we my, they were from Michigan and we, we went as a family to Michigan to – for two things. One was to go to a wedding. My second cousins were getting married or something like that. And the other reason was to hold a memorial service for my grandmother because they wanted to collect social security. And apparently you can't do that until there's like a, a certified death. So right. they decided to declare her dead, bury an empty casket, have a ceremony, and then file for the social security. And while we're at the wedding, this is right, right when cell phones first came out. I was pretty young, but um, my mom and my aunt had one. While we're at the wedding, during the reception, their phones just start blowing up in their pockets. Like hers rings, then my mom's rings, then my aunt's rings, then my mom's rings, and it's back and forth until they just had to shut their phones off. Then after the ceremony, they both go out and they check their messages. And there's tons of missed calls from Karen, and there's a few messages where she's like, look, I'm really sorry to bother you. Your mom just won't leave me alone. I can't get any work done. She wants me to tell you, tell... I'm going to make these names up because I forget the names, but tell David and Susie, congratulations on the wedding. They're a beautiful couple. That's whose wedding we were at. She didn't know that. And um, also, um, I think I think she also said something like um, the, the service was beautiful or something, referring to her own funeral. Um, so crazy. This lady doesn't know anything that's going on. Yeah. The psychic real or fake psychic maybe this is this is probably pre-internet too so i don't think that she was like googling the town where we were and I mean, like she on retainer why is she calling him well they you know i don't remember the like the the payment the the pay agreement but she was just calling them because she was just trying to chill at her house my grandma's ghost was bothering her so <laughs> well, much that's what i'm saying is like what's if she was faking it what's in it for her to like oh, her off time call them totally you know I mean? totally so great point great point so after, I might be messing up the timeline, and mom, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry that I'm messing up the timeline and maybe fudging some details, but I'm trying to tell a good story here, all right? <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> matter what the details are. <laughs> so there was, a, there was a number of years where my mom and my aunt would take the same trip down from New Jersey to Dewey Beach, Maryland, and stay in the town where she went missing as just kind of like a spiritual pilgrimage. And sure. They would go down there, and they would meet with the detectives who were working the cold case, and they would just like, you know, remember their mom and, you know, bond as sisters and stuff. And, um, there was one year in particular when I was late teens, must've been 17, 18, 19, something like that. And Max, my brother, who, you know, came with us and they invited us down to go with them to Dewey beach. And it was a, it was really cool. And this is the part that I had to clear with my mom to make sure it was okay. That I, well, you got clearance. I got clearance from my mom to tell this part of the story. Okay. Um, it wouldn't have been a great story without it. But on that particular trip, my mom and my brother and me decided it would be a good idea to take acid together for the first time. You and the whole family? Me, my mom, and my brother. Wow. We're going to take LSD and we were going to go on this like spiritual Mecca pilgrimage clue finding mission, you know? That sounds absolutely amazing. It was amazing. So <laughs> these are the clues that we had. 
um, my oh the psychic um, one time you know and you know how psychics work. There's they're all really specific details until it comes down to what happened to the person, and then it's all imagery and and like elusive details and stuff. But basically, the uh, the little monologue that she gave to my mom and my aunt, which is like, okay, you know. Your mom is here, and she's showing me images, and I'm getting, I'm getting like a um, an arid, deserty looking place. But there's like water nearby, and and boats, you know. So it's kind of like a like a desert, but there's a body of water, and there's boats all day long, boats going back and forth, back and forth. And I'm seeing like a, this like big beautiful hawk, and it's like leaving its nest, and it's flying out of its nest, and. And then, you know, we're now we're passing through these yellow gates, these bright, bright yellow gates. And now I'm seeing heavy red cellar doors, heavy red cellar doors. And um, so my mom told me and my brother that while we were going down to Maryland, those details. Pre-acid. Pre-acid. Okay. And uh, we get down there, and first we get the meeting with the cop right out of the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> don't want to do that while you're in the Got to go meet with the detective. Yeah. And we're like, cool, let's maybe uh, – Dose after. <laughs> yeah. Talk about a buzzkill. Nork. <laughs> oh man. So um so we get down there and um take the acid, just chilling in the motel, start to come up. We're like, all right, let's go, uh, let's cruise around this town. Let's see if we can nail down some of these clues. So we're driving around and it's a cool town, it's a beach town, you know. It kind of reminds me of Cape May a lot. And we're driving around and um there's this state park area called uh Hatteras Point. And we're like, yeah, let's go check that out. Trip in, little beach, like it's almost like a Sandy Hook type thing. So we go in there and um, you know, you pay at the little gate and you drive in and you know, you enter in through the yellow gates. There they are, driving in through the bright yellow gates and you're cruising down the main road that leads you to the little attractions and one of the attractions off of the road is called Hawk's Nest Observatory. So we're like, well, Two for two. <laughs> I'm losing my mind here. Okay. We're like, yeah, I'm feeling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pull into the pull off of the road to go into Hawk's Nest. Another pass through another yellow gate. You know those like park gates that like close to keep them going in, painted yellow for whatever reason. So uh, the Hawk's Nest Observatory is a like just like a big wooden platform lookout that you climb up some stairs and it's a big platform. So we park. We're walking up to the platform park is not maintained that well. There's kind of some trash around and like uh, under the stairs, under the platform is like marsh. And in the marsh, don't know how, why, when, or who, but somebody decided to throw away really big cellar doors, red cellar doors in the marsh. And they don't lead anywhere when you open them up. It's just more marsh underneath it, but they're cellar doors. They're staunch and they're right there and it's fresh in our mind and we are coming up. To add insult to injury, maybe that's not the phrase I want to use, but to add crazy to crazy, carved in the paint on the doors is my name and my cousin's name. And my cousin's name, my name's Garrett, not the most common name. And my cousin's name is Audrey Kate. And it said Audrey Kate? It said Audrey Kate. What? Yeah. So, so, so now we're like, cool, let's go up the stairs. Let's go check out the Hawk's Nest Observatory. And when you're up there, it's beautiful. You know, you get to see uh, – where Daryl, uh, where Delaware is, and where Maryland is, and it's the beach underneath you, and you're on this big wooden platform, and there's like ferries that go back and forth between the capes all day, so boats all day passing back and forth. 
when you look over the side of the thing, there's, I've never seen this on the East Coast, but there's little cactuses growing in the sand. Okay. So arid, deserty water boats all day. Cellar doors, yellow gates, hawks, what the fuck? We also managed to, in the wood of the platform, we also managed to um, find all of our family members' names carved. Granted, it was one of those places where people carve their names, but you know, we were on a mission and we found everyone who my grandmother would have known when she was alive, and even some people that were born after she died, all of our names were carved somewhere in that area. And so um, kind of the conclusion that we came to, I mean, the, the, the basic theory is that she was murdered. And we think she was murdered by the guy whose house she would rent a room in. And there's no way to prove it, unfortunately, because he has also since died. He was an old man. And, you know, basically the belief is that he murdered her that summer, um, 1993 or 1994, and um, ditched her body somewhere in that park and just got away with it. You know, some people just get away with it. <laughs> like, what, what is your lesson from that? Where do you, what does that even, where does that lead you down? More uh, acid? Well, we had so much fun tripping. It was definitely like. That's deep. It was deep. It was heavy. Um, that was also the first time I ever swam on acid. I mean, my brother were in an indoor pool. And so the, like the acoustics were really trippy. And, <laughs> and um, it was interesting to trip with my mom. She's the sweetest lady in the world. And she kind of just became even softer and sweeter while she was tripping. And the cherry on top was um, the end of the trip, the end of the night. Um, we're in our motel room and we're looking at the, you know, the horizon of the ocean. And there's like this storm over the water but it's not raining. It's just this cloud with lightning going off inside the cloud. And it's pink lightning. I, I hadn't seen anything like that before, and I haven't seen anything like it since. It was like a heartbeat like happening over the water. That's amazing. Yeah, it was wild. So tell me, I mean, I know you came into Are you still the same believer after this? Because I feel like these little synchronicities, whatever you want to call them, they got to hold some kind of meeting. Like, what do you call, what do you call all that? Someone who's telling you all this, and besides that, lucid dream and your grandpa, someone who doesn't have feelings. That I guess you're right. Kind of a believer to turn atheist, agnostic, whatever the hell you are. You, you don't hold some kind of like candles. I know you might just call it <laughs> optimism. Like it all means nothing, but I'm optimistic about it anyway. You don't think there's like something there that just makes you like kind of like think a little more? You know, it's funny is I've never. I tell these stories a lot because they're very interesting, you know? Yeah, entertainingly. Like, there's a good story to tell. It's a good story to tell, but I've never taken a step back and- um, Yeah, take a step back right now because you are you like talking, you like telling stories, you like being entertaining, making people laugh, which is what I love about you. But yeah. I feel like you also do it for the for the thrill of it. But yeah. have you ever just taken a second and been like, what the hell? Like, what I have you? never thought about my my belief in reference to these stories. Yeah, well, so this is an opportunity. That, let's talk, let's think about it. Yeah. What the um, hell do you, do you still hold the same belief? Like that, cause that's to have some, unless you like saw Karen jumping down Hawk's nest with a yellow paintbrush. Okay. Then fuck her. But besides that, like that's a lot of weird coincidence to be spot on about. It is. In itself, besides the lucid dream, your grandpa in itself is an amazing, if you take it, for what it is, that's almost a sense of closure that you got, which is remarkable. But that's got to like, even if you don't believe it fully, it, it, does it not make you just go, huh? It makes me feel, those stories make me feel electric on the inside. They do definitely ignite something in my gut, um, in my 
like the ephemeral part of my heart and my soul, like the part that like can't really be described or explained. You know what or that's called? Your soul. Feeling. Feeling? <laughs> Someone came in here with oh no my, feeling. That's some. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, can we cut? <laughs> I'm supposed to keep this persona of manly non-feels. cut this out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I will leave that. No, no yeah, know. no. I, I, I acknowledge the feelings. Um, I, I guess... It's, I still have, I still have trouble committing to a belief in a, a God figure, but those, those stories have always made me feel that there is something that I don't understand that none of us can understand. And sometimes we get anecdotes like this one that don't provide any understanding, but provide like a breadcrumb trail to follow whether it's like a mental breadcrumb trail or a spiritual breadcrumb or whatever it is. Um, so to kind of answer your question, it hasn't affected my spirituality or my, or my desire for religion, but it has made me think a lot about energy transference or energy remainders or, or different like planes of consciousness, existence, reality, you know, yeah, especially for someone who mentioned when you said earlier about you know if, if someone believes in God, is is not necessarily is it not necessarily to be a liar, but just is, you don't you don't know. And on both sides of the spectrum, someone that says there is no God or someone that says there is a God, neither of them really know. Yeah, I guess that's, it's, I guess it's harsh for me to call them liars. Just, I, I know that's I from anyone listening. I, I don't think that's what you meant. I, I, no, I, yeah, there's an just, easier way to describe it. Yeah, they, neither of them know. Right, no one, no one knows. I agree. I, I, knew, I knew that's what you're saying, but to clarify, people listening, I think that's what you meant. Um, but I also think that kind of it is a breadcrumb when those experiences happen to like kind of lead you in a direction i don't want to call it hope but like just like huh there's like you know i know i'm an optimistic kind of guy but maybe it's a little it's a little something to tug on you know what it might when you said that it made me think those experiences might actually fuel my um my agnosticism because whereas before maybe i would have described myself an atheist because maybe after Catholic school or after enough psychedelics or listening to like intelligent people that I respect claim themselves to be atheists, I have these personal anecdotes that make me say, but what is that? How do you explain this? Yeah. And so that puts me on the fence. Whereas before, maybe I was fully on one side of the fence. Now I'm on the fence. And I'm like, well, no one really knows. I'm not going to pretend like I know. I don't think anyone should, but I think it's good to keep an open mind. And do those people, those same people that are perhaps atheists or whatever they believe in, chalk up those anecdotes to just kind of coincidence? Is that that their cop-out? I don't want to call it a cop-out because that's the wrong way of saying it too because that's assuming they're wrong. But it's it's an easy answer. That's the easiest rebuttal, I feel like. It's like, oh, it's coincidence. Probably, yeah. It's a I mean, lot of coincidence. I mean, the um, a lot of people that are, are have that share that um, atheistic belief. I think a lot of them, when they hear the psychic story, they go, "Oh, well, you know, all psychics are scams." Yeah, but that's like, like like all mediums, like oh, so what? You believe in like uh, John Edwards? Yeah, <laughs> John Edwards or George Anderson. I mean, that's like saying all West Coast pizza is bad. You can find one good slice of pizza. Tell me where I'll go get it right <laughs> now. <laughs> I don't believe they're, you. They're there. It's just different. You know, I'm not gonna I, until they sponsor me. I ain't dropping no pizza names. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, but I, I once again, I think it's also silly just to say all everyone this that. Like, no one. You really, can't blanket statement anything ever. Generalization. Literally nothing. The only place generalizations work are in stand-up comedy. Yes. Because if you can't say all women this, all men that, it's not that funny. then it's not funny. Yeah, that's, true. that's the one exception. And even yeah. then, then, in that sense, but they, saying, but they, they know the comedians it's, know it's dishonest. They're just doing it to get a laugh. Of course, of yeah. course, of course. So that yeah. blanket statement, once again, I think it goes back to what you said in the beginning that no matter how certain we are, that's great. I, if that's your belief, stand for it. I'm not mocking you. I'm not going to criticize you. What do you believe? What you want to believe? I just don't scratch my back. But it's like at the end of the day, the more I think about, it, I'm like, we don't know what the we don't know much. No. And I'm sure it's cool. We won't know till we know. And I wish I could be, like, I can't wait till that happens. And then I can like reflect in my life. Like, holy shit, that motherfucker was right this whole time. <laughs> well, you, you know what I mean? You know, when you, um, when you die, they say you experience your, your, your life flashes before your eyes. Yeah, where'd that come from? Well, that comes from the release of dimethyltryptamine in yeah, your brain. Say, right. And so you do, you relive theoretically. It also came from like, People dying and you coming back, and coming back, yeah. So, but when when that amount of DMT gets released in your brain, you go into a hyper dream state where time is slowed. So, how do we know right now that we're not dead, reliving this memory? We don't. We don't. Well, that was it. I feel like the whole idea once again, energy cannot be created or destroyed. Always makes me think that time travel is possible. Why not? Why not? We're just live. We happen to be living linearly. But, but what if the energy that you linearly. are, it's a hard word to say. It's a word, right? It's a hard word linearly. to say. Lin linearly. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, everyone's like, when people call you out for like making up a word, it's like, every word's made up. You know what I mean? Every word is fucking made up. So what's right or wrong? As long as you, as I always, when people like call me out for that, I'm like, did you understand what I was trying to say? Like, right, yeah, right. I don't care. You know what I mean? It made sense. Right. <laughs> so linearly, my ass. That's a great point. People go, you just made that word up. Yeah, but you know what I meant, yeah. idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's my Who's wife. the idiot? The one stuck to the fucking dictionary, or this genius over here making up words every day? Yeah, uh, the fucking Webster. So uh, what if? So 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 we're alive and we're living in a straight line. So they and say. we're energy carrying through time. If you were to time travel and you were to jump back, jump your energy back in time to where that energy already exists. Right. How does that? How does that work? So everything's happening right now at the same time. But. But if you walked in here right now, your energy, because you know, can't be created or destroyed, it's almost like if you are this and then you come back, you're almost creating energy in the past timeline because you're doubling it up. Oh, so you're just stacking it. So you're coming stacking back. Stacking it. So what happens then? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of theories about paradoxes where if you were to travel back in time, you can't meet yourself because that would create a paradox and the universe would implode. <laughs> Or whatever. For one curious person. Right. Hope it was worth it. <laughs> Hope it was worth it. Subjective, optimistic. Be a fake hypothetical person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I mean, back to what we were talking about, I'm curious about, I guess you, you haven't, I mean, you, you haven't really reflected on these moments so much. Well, I reflect on them all the time when I tell stories. Them. Yeah, I talk but about them a reflecting? lot. Reflecting is talking about it, reflecting, or just talking about it. That's a good question. I feel like I, I'm not trying to tell you what you've done. I'm trying to get it out of you. But yeah. there's a difference between telling a story and really. I can think of a million stories I taught, I spoke about, and then when someone asked me a certain question, I'm like, "Huh, I never really thought about that." Maybe because I'm just telling the story without any hard stream of thought, where I'm like dissecting it. But then again, it's. I feel like you, you start. I'm just curious if you do dissect it, you might have these thoughts now. But then once you're out of that thought, you just go back into routine. It doesn't affect you. And it is I think that's kind of. I think that's kind of what happens normally. I do that with most of my life. Is I I, I live it. And I experience it. I take note of it, but I don't really carry shit around with me. 
Um, that's probably because I had a lot of trauma when I was a kid. I know not related to death, just not related to death, just related to that. You know, this isn't a trauma podcast, but well, death is trauma. Trauma is it's it's. I was talking to another friend of mine who kind of put it. I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast. I don't really care. And he was talking like trauma is trauma. This trauma is death. Trauma, you know, any kind of loss of relationship is just a sense of loss yeah, and yeah, death. Yeah. So it's. I've spoke to a lot of other people that have their own sense of trauma that I've never experienced, but you know, I think that trauma is trauma. Yeah. I just wonder what if they're what the differences really are. I don't know if they trigger to do different things to your body. This and that it depends on the person. But they probably the diff, different. Well, it's a good question. I think different kinds of trauma probably um, set up different kinds of coping mechanisms for different kinds of people. You know, because especially when trauma happens when you're young what your mind tries to do is tries to make sense of it and tries to like fold it into your personality, your decision-making process and, you know, the way that you store memories and the way that you react to stimulus. Um, so, I mean, I can, I can speak, I'm pretty comfortable talking about my trauma. I've, you know, I've been to therapy, been to all that stuff. I, I, I basically like, I suffered a lot of um, sexual abuse when I was a kid. Yeah. And um, that kind of, and I was really, really young. I was like um, four no, maybe seven to like 10. I see, I don't really know because it was my whole childhood up until a few years ago was a blank space. It was totally black. I didn't remember being a kid. And um, the explanation I had for that was, I'm just living in the moment, man. Like I'm so present. Like I don't even have time for the past. Wow. But what was really happening was my brain had compartmentalized my youth because remembering it would have been too painful. And because it was so peppered with trauma and abuse that instead of just blacking out those parts, it couldn't distinguish or just blacked out all of it. No, that's really what it is. Yeah. So does that is, is that is was it carpet carpet compartmentalized? It's a hard word to say. It is like linearly. <laughs> was it linearly compartmentalized? <laughs> Because it happened multiple times, or can it be surrounded? And I'm asking this kind of selfishly because I'm thinking about when I lost my dad. There's a lot of things I don't remember, but yeah. what I experienced wasn't. Uh, it didn't happen. I don't know if it happened with you several times, or like it was more than just one moment. Because mine was really I guess no. It, it happened pretty routinely over like did. a number of years. So you yeah. think that's why yours are segment, segmented like that? Or yeah, is that tra I, is a trauma in itself. Um, I, I don't understand the question. I guess. So, for instance, like there's a lot I don't remember when I was like. I think I think I do understand the question. Actually, you're asking, do I not remember? Because it was like a period of time where bad stuff was happening. It was encapsulated in the Or in extended if one time. bad thing happened, it would still block out the whole yeah. thing. Um, I guess that, I think that's probably different for everybody. Yeah. I think people's brains work differently. Um, all I can, all I, I can only speak to my, my experience, and right. that experience is that it happened a lot in those years. And so, again, it would just be pretty hard for my brain to have a good folder and a bad folder and split up like, you know, like even a day, like, like, Oh, this morning was fun. I played with my friends. And then this afternoon I got raped. So right. like, how do you like, like, how do you move this file to the good memories and this file to the bad memories? Yeah. And I think I just did that on a large scale. So did you, do you remember, you for, completely forget that this happened kind of thing? Completely forgot. And how did it come back up to therapy? Um, it came up, um, when I got into a fight with my, ex-girlfriend um we i had been unfaithful and she we were in a big fight and she asked you she, she's like what the fuck is wrong with you why do you keep doing this you know what's wrong with you and i just snapped and i was like i was raped oh it just came out and then floodgates were open and wow. she was like what did you say and i was like i don't even know what i just said and i just remembered everything holy shit yeah it was wild and then 
very quickly got into therapy, um, figured out that a lot of my, like a lot of my really toxic and negative behaviors stem from those experiences. And I never knew why I was like unable to be monogamous, like unable to be faithful, um, was kind of like just, um, had a lot of weird behaviors and, 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 um, and ideas around sexuality and relationships and stuff like that. And it became pretty clear this is an obvious route for that problem. And it, and it, you know, it freed me up from being like, oh, I'm just broken. You know, I just can't get this right. And I'm just, this is the kind of person that I am. But then when you find the root cause, you're able to, you know, backtrack and assess and try and create new habits. So what's the healing? Is the healing process in regards to that is like coming to terms with it? Or what is the healing process? Like, is it realizing it? Or are you saying, I guess, cope? Is it cope? Like, what is it? What exactly are the steps to get over that? It's a good question. I, again, I think that's different for everybody. I think a big, um, a big, big um, healing process for me was forgiving the guys who did that to me. Right. And also finally being honest with my family about it, being honest with myself about it. And the more that I was able to own it, like once I was like, I f once I could say I forgive them yeah. for it. And mean it. And mean it. Then I became, I started to own it. As opposed to, as when you keep it secret, it owns you. Yeah. But when you talk about it and you don't let it weigh you down, then you start to own it. And so conversations like this really helped me with it. And I also can't just realize, you know, I got to a point in my life where you know, when I was younger, we're all, we're all insecure, we're all awkward. And I, I always like, didn't really like myself a hundred percent, you know? And, um, then I got to a point in my life where I, I did like myself and I was like, well, all of the formative experiences that happened to me when I was a kid led me to this point. So if I hadn't gone through that trauma, I wouldn't be the person that I am now. So I can't really be mad at it because who knows who I would be. And that was a, that was a part of the ownership process was me just being like, okay, I like me. I know that this is part of me. Does it suck that it happened? Yes. Do I want it to happen to anybody else? Absolutely not. Am I glad that it happened to me? No, but I accept it as part of me. That was so well said. Thanks, man. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus, dude. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, obviously I didn't see the conversation going this way, but that's some real shit. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to get into real shit with you. I, I want to ask you about, about your dad too. I mean, you brought him up. Um, I know this is that's the impetus for this this podcast. And and we know so many people that lost folks in 9-11. Yeah, I mean, I mean being, our town, I think, lost being where most. we're from. Yeah, Middletown, yeah. New Jersey lost the most people. Crazy. I mean, I know you didn't ask like a specific question there, but I mean, obviously I'm I'm just blown away with what you just told me. And not even just anecdotally, but just the way you, you just so eloquently and articulately just explain the process of, you just broke it down so clearly for me and the logistics of actually getting over something like that. Yeah. And I can't relate to what you went through. Um, I know there's plenty of people that have, I, I, could, I thought of a friend that told me what they went through and it was a similar sense of just not remembering. And to me, it, that once again, I, I don't want to make it sound so selfish, but it, it related to me in a sense of, I don't remember a lot of my childhood. When people say, not so much in my childhood. Because you were, how old were you? When when I was 12. I wasn't, I, I was old. That's the weird part because I was old enough to like, I shouldn't remember things. Totally. I, was, I wasn't young. Yeah. But there's a lot of things I don't remember about me cope. I don't remember coping with it as a young age. I don't remember like the immediate time from like the first year or if I'm supposed to, or it's because I was 12. I, I don't understand whether, okay, I was 12. That was a long time ago. Maybe I just generically just don't remember things. 
or I start thinking, is there some, is there, was there some kind of defense mechanism of not remembering? That's what gets triggered when I hear your story, but yours is a way different traumatic experience. That's like, that's just, that's potentially even, that's like, I might be like, it's more traumatic. There's, there's no point in right. comparing. There's, and that's not what yeah. I was going for. Yeah. I, I, to, in my head, I'm like, that's, that's just another, that's a different, that's a different, just a different thing. So I can't relate it to that. But part of me, as I started thinking about it more recently, I was like, how much of it is affecting my ability in relationships and just who I am? Because I, I always talk about this, not always, I spoke of this with my mom and she always says, and I think she really thinks it affected me. Naturally, you would think it would. And I only know myself as now, so I can't really think as much as from my mom's lens because she knows me my whole life and has seen me evolve. So if anyone would understand me changing and who I become, it's probably someone from the outside more than me. Yeah. Because, you know, it's hard to... Yeah. It's like when you have a kid and you see your kid and he looks this height, but you see him every day. You don't really, see, <laughs> and someone else hasn't seen him. Like, oh my God, he grew so much. And I guess, oh, I guess he has. Yeah. But I've been with him every day. So that's my kind of analogy with that. But I'm going back to me. Like, have I, I wonder if I, I'm not asking him or saying rhetorically, but if I, if I block, did I block a little thing out? And that's what I was asking was it capsulated because it happened to you multiple times? Because mine wasn't a multiple time thing, even though that's a lengthy process. But you know what your multiple time thing could have been? Grieving. Grieving. Right. Like you're you're having a normal day and then you think about your dad. Right. And so your that, brain's like, well, put that day away. Exactly. And I I don't know. To me, it's like I don't some point my initial thought was I was just an ignorant little kid that wasn't really even like I was I remember crying the first time I saw it. Like I, I definitely definitely hit me. I was sad as shit. Yeah. But I don't still don't remember being sad as a kid. Yeah. Because fortunately maybe I was blessed because I had great family around me. So I'm I'm blessed in that situation. But I just I really, maybe I need to talk to someone and figure out how it's affecting me now because I'm sure it has. Have you never talked to a therapist no, or anybody no. with this? Oh man, I highly recommend it. Yeah. I think everybody could go to therapy, especially, I mean, the most normal quote people in the world could still benefit from therapy. Yeah. I, I don't want to say it's ever been like- Not uh, that you're abnormal, but we've, you know, we've been through some shit. So yeah, yeah for sure. And I, I don't know why I never have. I, I don't know if it, I, I can't admit that I, I have to ask myself, I don't think it was like a macho thing or I don't need help. Cause I'm open it probably to just, It probably just never crossed your mind. Yeah. I think my mom tried pushing on me when I'm pushing on me. She like asked my mom's not the type of person like, get in the fucking chair. But she, she mentioned it maybe I should consider it. And I, and maybe now that I'm older and I've processed things more and I'm a little, I'm more mature that it would be a good time to do it. I don't think it's ever too late. If anything, it's never too late. I feel like I would unravel a Rubik's cube of yeah. items that I don't even know. Yeah. Cause I think it's interesting to think about the things that have happened to his younger traumatic or not. But no matter the level of trauma, how much they've truly, from what I've studied, I'm very into like just understanding how the mind really works and the psychosomatic aspect of how the mind affects the body and the things we do. And I understand it more clearly than ever from a layman's terms of how one little event, whether it's a death or um, what you've gone through or just being yelled at by a teacher, like as little as it seems, what little things we think of now might be the biggest deal when we were four or five or six, you know, in the moment. Yeah. They, I mean, they say in therapy that like, the small, like the, as small of an event as um, your parent when you're a toddler is late to pick you up from school or something. Yeah. That could sow the seeds for fear of abandonment. Isn't that why? For the rest of your life. And I, I think it was uh, either Dispenza or Bruce Lipton, that multiple great minds have said, uh, they quoted from the, someone, not the Bible or someone in the religious aspects says, give me a child from zero to seven, I'll make him a man of God. You could paraphrase that as saying, give me a man, from, a kid from zero to seven, I'll mold him. Because from zero to seven, we're apparently the most susceptible in a state of like hypnosis almost. So when something, especially when something happens from those ages, especially those ages, like, yeah. I guess you said, as little as that, as little as uh, like just someone like your sibling getting a little bit more attention or one better gift at Christmas, as, as ill, even if it wasn't intentional, like that little 
tweak yeah, you, can you affect dr- you. You draw forward. a picture and your dad says it's ugly. Even if he's kidding. You'll never be a painting. You'll never be a painter. Isn't that bizarre? Or, yeah. or it could go either way. Maybe I'm going to be hammered because of that. It's like, I don't I don't know. But there's got to be something, even though I wasn't in my zero to seven age, even though it's probably shit that's going to come up from zero to seven that I'm holding in. And I guess why I was so impressed with your answer is just your ability to pick it apart. And then how do you get over it? And I guess you answered the question with you know, forgiveness and kind of just owning it. And I think that's the release because we're holding on to things. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. more you hold on, the more it owns you. Yeah. So it was just so brilliant the way you said that. And I think it could be applied to any to so many different aspects of life where we struggle. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, I. It's not as easy as saying sentences. I think it, it took me a long time to even like to even conceptualize the idea of forgiveness for these deeds. You know, I was like, I didn't know that I was supposed to do that, could do that, should, whatever, can. like can, you know? But um, once the idea came into my mind, I really felt uh, like a relief. And is it a real forgiveness or is it really just like, you know what, I'm letting it go or is it both? I really forgive them. Yeah. I really forgive them. Those dudes um, had tough lives, you know? They um, were in and out of jail. They were basically thieves and robbers and like they were in gangs and stuff. And um, yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what drove them to do what they did to me, but um, yeah, I forgive them. I know it wasn't about me. You know what I mean? Like I knew they weren't like, fuck this little kid. We're going to do whatever we can to fuck up his life. They had shit that was going on with them. And I was just the outlet. Isn't that the circle of life right there? That's, that's, I feel like it's more often not the issue. Is it's it's projection. It's never, yeah, it's never you. It's it's everyone's everyone's got their own shit happening. And I think if the sooner people could, we I everyone can realize that, the easier it is to forgive. It's like when someone obviously it's easier said than done. Always. Always everything's easier Always. said than done. Especially in the moment. Like mm-hmm. when you're in an argument, for instance, it's nearly impossible when both people are escalating the situation to to be like, oh, this isn't about me. I should say to them, like, you're yelling at me. I'm going to yell back. That's the that's the, the the natural inclination. But an enlightened person would remain calm and say, hey, Dave, what's what's going on with you? Yeah. Is everything okay? And if you were honest with me, then you'd say, you know what? This fight isn't even about the fact that you were 45 minutes late for the podcast. It's because I've been thinking about my dad a lot today. It's compounded. It's compounded. It's something else, you know? Yeah, I had that lesson recently. I was cold calling for some business and some guy – I've been doing real estate for like six, seven years now, whatever the hell it's been. And I that was one of the That's worst. That's it? I feel like you've been doing it for so much longer. Yeah, Sorry, I didn't even know that. That's cool, whatever. That's good, I guess. Um, but I took this phone call and I cold called this guy inquiring about his house. I get it. Getting the cold call isn't the most like, oh, hey, you want to sell my house? I get it. But the guy went off on me. It was like degrading me, calling me pathetic, this and that. And I was just eating it. And I was like, going to hang up. I was like, going to let him finish. And in my head, I was like, I could easily have just gone off back at him. I was like, listen, man, sorry to bother you. I won't call it. What's your I won't call you again. Kept very calm. And, and he gave me his address, said goodbye. And then afterwards, I was thinking about it. I was like, was that really me? Was that really him going crazy because I called him? Or is it because I was the 12th person that called him? Maybe and the first said, 11 were debt collectors. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Maybe his frog just died. I don't know. And then <laughs> his frog, I, Pepe. Yeah. Like maybe he's holding the dead frog in his hand. And then he, I happen to call, yeah. ask to sell his house. But this is. Yeah. Just, it's ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I just put myself in there. It's like, you know what? It's not always about us. It's like, sometimes it is. Yeah. Sometimes you're the reason for that person to get however they got. But 
you know, some more often than not, this someone's going through something else, and you just happen to be the the straw that broke the camel's back. So that's a good time to say that, right? Straw that, yeah, that's it. That's it. Broke the camel's back. Damn, man. Yeah, sometimes it's um, it's easy. So yeah, so in that situation, you had a like a reason to keep your cool, which was that it was a business transaction. Eh, you didn't have to. You didn't have to, but if that was like your girlfriend yelling at you on the phone about about like why do you keep calling me? You know I'm doing this and that. Then you would fight back, but because you had a like a like a reason whether it was a big one or a not to stay calm. What I'm saying is it would be cool to adopt that mentality for personal yes altercations. Yeah. Like give yourself like a reason to stay cool because at, p- feelings escalate so quickly. I mean, yeah, that's what, the world we're living in right now, politically and everything. It's like it's it's often um, everybody just wants to be offended. That's what it seems like. I wonder is I don't know what that is. is it like a victim thing or it's a reason just to. I don't. I mean, I don't. I victim mentality is a real thing. Well, yeah, there's, it there's is different level, different levels of that for sure. For sure, I don't. I don't know what it is. I think honestly, what I think it is is before coronavirus. There was nothing to worry about in the world. There was no real chaos or impending doom or struggle. So, in the absence of struggle, people make it up. Hmm. That's what I think. Right. Of course, of course, when you're generalizing in a sense that there's no struggle, like as a country as a whole. Yes. As a with, pl- that, with that narrative, yeah, right? Yeah. Of course, I agree. Now, like we're so comfortable as Americans. We have food every day. We have air conditioning. We pretty much all drive cars. I'm not saying people don't struggle to pay the bills or, you know, experience trauma or this or that. But as a collective, we are, we are all kings compared to people in the past. We are all living an existence that is very comfortable. And in that comfortability, people still desire um, conflict, struggle. That's the weird thing. So there's, there's a sense of comfort in discomfort. Yeah. I almost feel like I mean, maybe it's because comfort is uh... – Unnatural. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's unnatural. It doesn't exist in the animal kingdom. I mean, like in the animal kingdom, it's fight or flight. You know that you know that expression, like the two yeah. the two modes of your brain. You're either like fleeing or fighting for your life, or you're eating food and chewing and resting well, and digesting. I mean, humans have that fight or flight too, and, there's, and that's also goes back to what I learned from Bruce Lipton or Dispenza as well. I keep bringing them up, but we have that when you're when you're in a stressful situation, your body is inherently supposed to yeah your limbic you, brain. Yeah, you're supposed to blood. You're supposed to get. And uh, blood flows to your arms, out, your legs. Yeah, out of your brain into your into your limbs, so that way you can react. Uh, react, and so you're yeah. in stress. So all of a sudden, all the energy that's going to your your you know your yeah, nervous system, cortisone, adrenaline, it's getting pushed out. So now you're 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 a week over here. Yep. But if you live in that state for an extended period of time, that's going to weaken your immune system, at least disease and all this. Yeah. And that's the whole back the psychosomatic aspect that if you're living in stress constantly, then that's going to weaken your immune system. People wonder why we're getting disease and stuff like that, and, and people think, oh, it's just luck of the draw. I don't, I, I don't, A, I don't believe that. And B, it's at this point, it's getting way more scientifically accepted that when people say stress kills. Yes. Why do you think we're getting disease? We're not supposed to be, I'm not a doctor, so please do your own fucking research. But from what I'm learning is Dr. that- Dr. Dave. Dr. Dave, besides <laughs> it, but there are like, it's a very small percent of people that are born with abnormalities that you can't, it's biological dysfunction that you cannot do anything about. Yeah. But it's a very small percentage. Very small. Everyone else that gets disease and whatnot, from, from what I'm hearing is- Trauma can mess you up. Trauma can alter, uh, alternate things. It might start disease, cancer, blah, blah, blah. 
And then the other one is just the wrong thinking and living in stress. Because the more, like, from the reason I just told you, the more you live in stress and all your extremities are getting all the attention and your immune system is getting less attention and enough, the body's not doing what it's supposed to do. You're leaving yourself unguarded for more disease and stress to fucking, for your body just to deteriorate. So I, I, I'm a believer in what I've learned. And I hate to say it to people that are, have that learned, that have people in their lives that have died to cancer as I have, have, have people that died of disease because it's a hard pill to swallow. But I, it's, I, I don't believe it's just, that guy got that disease. Just it just happened. I, there's there's some people we bury things and we cause a lot of these things for for things to grow in our body. That it, it, and that's that's my disbelief, and that's how it happens. And disease happens. So I say, what, what is the belief when someone smokes cigarettes? I'm asking. You put someone in that's been smoking cigarettes for sixty years. Another person that's smoking sixty years. Put them in the same scenario. This person dies of whatever, and this person doesn't. Yeah. What about the what about the cases where again someone smokes for sixty years does not get lung cancer. Someone's never had a cigarette a day in their life gets lung cancer. Exactly. That and happens all the time. And I, it's, at this point, from what I'm learning, it's not just a oh man, it's just a luck of the draw. This person might be living through stress for forty years, right. And and all of a sudden, a tumor happens. Right. Well, meanwhile, the cigarette smoker is living his best life, filled with joy, filled with optimism every day, and his body it never goes into f- um, fight or flight mode. So it's just his nervous system is working, his insides are working properly. Yeah, I Same mean, thing. It's like that person again. Person, I'm not a doctor either, but I am far from a doctor. I sell fucking houses. <laughs> And have a podcast. And the same people, like the people that have seen the best shape in their lives and something happens to them. It's like, just because that guy was in shape doesn't mean he's not constantly paranoid or thinking about something that happened in the past. We don't know what he's going through that is yeah. buried. And the more you bury He might shape, not even know. He might not even know. Exactly, it might, exactly it might what we're be, just talking it about. It might be a subconscious, like a constant subconscious strain mm-hmm. that he doesn't even know. Maybe that's what anxiety is. You that's know, what we're talking maybe about. Maybe that's what depression is. I'm trying to unravel. I don't know. Right. I like to think I, I live pretty stress-free for the most part. Not always. As far as you know, though. As far it's as like I this. know. It's like I did a diet recently, and I didn't know how good I could feel because I had never felt it. So I thought I was like, uh, man, my food habits are fine. Like I eat whatever I want. Sometimes I have heartburn. Sometimes I don't. But whatever. That's life, baby. You know, like whatever. Eat the cheesesteak. Deal with the consequences <laughs> later. On the diet – I reached a new level of how good I could feel. And now that I know that that is possible, I'm going to eat, I'm not going to eat as shitty anymore because I want to maintain that good feeling. So it's like to bring it back to our conversation, you think you're moving along at a steady pace and you think everything's fine. You think that this is the limit. Sometimes you have some lows, but then you come back up and then you're up here. But then once you go to therapy and you work shit out and you realize that, wow, I'm unburdened. Now I'm living up here. Yeah. Where I was before is technically lower than where I am now. It's like the labyrinth with David Bowie. I watched that recently. And the one line that stuck to me that relates to what you're saying is like, what is your basis of comparison? You know, we think like- Exactly. What is your basis of comparison? I feel good now, but I've never felt better. So I'm only comparing it to what I think I know is the best. Exactly. It's like, what's your basis? And everything, in every aspect of life, what's your basis of comparison? Right. And I, I mean, comparison is also the thief of joy, so it can go either way. But at the same time- you know, I was like, oh, it's like you live in this house. This house is, is like the best house in the world. I was like- Compared to what? Compared to what? You ever see fucking Farrell's yeah, house? How many houses have you seen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, what is your basic- And it's also a double-edged sword because, you know, comparison- Like, yeah, is is four a lot? Yeah. Well, that depends. Are we talking about pieces of shit in your hand yeah. or a piece of candy in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, and my, my, my really good friend, Brian, mentioned that he kind of like keeps his- It's like it's balancing your expectations. It's, being, it's like you could always be chasing for more, but it's also being happy with what you have. So there's- Life's just one big juggling act. Yeah. Um, and and the sooner that you realize that um, everybody 
you, your friends, your parents, your idols, your enemies, we're all just monkeys standing straight up, looking for a meal, trying not to fool our, like make fun of, not, try not to make a fool of ourselves in front of everybody. The sooner that like, you'll be more comfortable moving around the world yourself. Cause yeah. I feel like we all feel like, when am I going to figure it out? Nobody fucking has it figured out. Everyone's hungry, sleepy, tired, and horny. <laughs> hungry, sleepy, tired, and horny. Sleepy and tired. <laughs> yeah, one of those. One of those. And when we realize we're all in it together, maybe it's a little more comforting if that's what you need. Yeah. Jeez, okay, we covered a lot of topics there. We did. So are you scared of death? It's <laughs> a good the best transition that's of a all good time. That's a good question. Let's wrap it up with that. I, no, not really. Um, I think I made it a point to live really bright and fast and full in my like teens and twenties. And I'm not saying that I'm by, by any means fulfilled in my existence, but I do feel like I've loved really hard. I've lost really hard. I've succeeded and failed equally on the ectograph on the, what do you call it, like a heart monitor thing? Like, like fail or succeed, fail, like they're even. Um, and so there's still a lot I want to do, but I, I feel I'm not scared of dying. Do you think you haven't had time to, you don't really, it's like you're only scared of it when you really contemplate it a lot. Or if you've been faced with it. Yeah. And I haven't really. I wonder if that makes I've you never more scared with or less scared. Yeah. Who knows? You're stuck on a roller coaster. Sub subjective again, too. That scared the shit out of me. In the moment. Was I scared of dying though? I, I know I'm scared of heights and I guess that could be traced back to dying because if you fall, you die. But when I'm scared of heights, I'm not thinking about, oh no, I'm going to die. I just have this pit feeling in my stomach. And I'm like, I like, my skin gets goosebumpy. Maybe that's the fear of the unknown. Maybe. It's all kind of wrapped up. We don't, I think we fear what we don't know. And as long as we get comfortable with what we don't know, I'm like, let's see what happens. Are you scared of death? I don't know. I think, nah, I don't know. I don't think I'm scared of death. I think I'm just, Maybe sometimes a little scared, like well, what's next? Which does that make me scared of death? Maybe I don't know. There's a really there's a, a good story with the Chinese farmer. You ever heard that one? Remind me. I might butcher this story. So for anyone that really knows the story, just whatever. Read it on your own. Turn off now. Yeah, turn it off now because <laughs> we're about to wrap this up anyway. But the Chinese farmer is is about this uh, young boy and his and his and his farmer father who were just on their land, and there was a horse that rode him. And this horse is like untagged, comes in, and his dad and the horse runs to the, the little boy, and the boy's like, Dad, Dad, look at this horse we got. And he's like, How lucky are we that you got this horse? And the father goes, We'll see. And all of a sudden, the son is riding on the horse, riding on his new horse. All of a sudden, it falls off, breaks his arm. And then and he looks at his dad and it says something like, Man, man, we're so unfortunate to have got this horse. I, I broke my arm. He's like, We'll see. Next day, the cavalry comes in, the kings come in, or whatever. I don't know what decade they're saying, kings, president, whatever you want to call them, come in and say, There's a war. We have to, we're going to have to draft all the young boys in the town. And, and once that happens, they didn't draft the young boy because he broke his arm, so he couldn't go to war. And then the town people are like, Oh, man, look how, look how fortunate you are that this horse came in and broke your son's arm. Now there's war and your, son, you know, war and your son's not going to war now. And he goes, We'll see. So the point is, like, just, I don't know. Let's just keep it constant. Try to be optimistic, but the same thing, I was like, We'll see. That's a good story. Let's see what happens. That the the I think moral of that story is that 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 farmer was a staunch agnostic. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. How so? He's basically saying like uh, good, bad, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. You know, that's kind of what I said at the beginning like do I believe in a god? I don't not believe in a god. I also don't believe in a god. We'll see. But I I, I understand so unless I'm not understanding right with the agnostic 
in a, a form of like duality. We decide what's good and bad. But I still feel like there's, for most humans, unless something's a little off, we genuinely all know what good is. We define it, yes, but the idea of it, I think it came it came to fruition for a reason because genuinely it's just like an inherent idea of doing good by people. Well, for sure. I mean, you can't really build or advance a society without people agreeing on, right. like at the very base, a common moral compass. Mm. And if everyone was on their own and no one had a moral compass and there was no sense of good or wrong, good or bad, right or wrong, then it would be very hard to grow together because everyone would be like barbaric, barbaric out for their own good. You know? Um, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Gary, I want to thank you for being on here, man. That was fun. Yeah. I'm, I was really happy to be on here, man. Yeah, man. I thought we could talk for like four more hours, which we might do anyway. How long has it been? I have no idea. I can't tell, but I can't tell. Yeah. it's pretty hot in here though. It's getting a little hot. Yeah, I started to feel my shorts, my my shorts are starting to. Your story, your my, my shorts are swicking to me. <laughs> <laughs> my shorts are sticking to my legs. All right, well, we're gonna uh, unstick and get out of here. But Garrett, uh, I want to thank you for coming from be here. The conversation definitely uh, went different directions than as we didn't plan, which is literally perfect. I'm happy for what you shared. I'm proud of you for what you shared, and uh, I'm really hoping people made it to this the end of the conversation because it actually got better as it went. Thanks, buddy. I love you, man. Love you, man. Thanks so much. Uh, another episode of Dead Talks, guys. Uh, hopefully, you liked the episode. I know I did. Um, I guess I'm supposed to say again, please follow, subscribe, do all this stuff if you made it this deep. I should probably start saying this in the beginning for people that don't go all the way to the end. But uh, if you aren't subscribed already, subscribe for me, share, all that good stuff. And uh, until next week, Dead Talks out.